1: And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, 100.3 FM, WROLradio.com. Maybe you said to Alexa, hey, Alexa, play WROL Radio." That could have happened, too. There's all kinds of ways to listen to the program, uh, and you can listen to it all over the place. I was down in Florida last week, down at the little tin shack in Florida, and my wife was listening online through her phone. And uh, all things work pretty well. I don't know. Dennis said it sounded okay. Yeah, it sounded yeah, pretty good. Yeah, all right. Okay. For
2: your wonderful hookup that you have to show me the picture of. Oh, so. okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's not, it's not that, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I just didn't want to bring all kinds of equipment with me, and I wanted to bring stuff that I could just leave there and wouldn't miss. So it all, it all worked out okay. Uh, on today's program, we are going to be talking to, in a little bit, Shad Ball. Sh- Shad is the... Chevrolet spokesman for Corvette. So Shad works for Chevrolet. Shad works for Chevrolet. And it's a Corvette. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he is uh, back from the L.A. Auto Show where the Corvette won the Motor Trend Car of the Year. So we're going to be talking to him about that. And later on, around 9.15 or so, we're going to be talking to a spokesperson for Ford about the new... Mustang Mach-E.
2: I actually like it.
1: Do you? I do. <laughs> I was trying to convince Libby to get it. She's like, no. Well, you know, there are, there are already the dissenters who say, Mustangs don't have four doors. It's an SUV. Yeah, but it's, it's a Mustang-inspired SUV. Yes. It's yeah. the- so we're, we're going to be talking to her around 9.15 or so. Uh, so we have uh, a lot of things to a lot of things to look at there a funny story from the guy who uh, works for Paragon group who does the auto shows he's the the deal with the Connecticut Auto Show uh, four people said they wanted the family four pack of tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show and the deal was go pick them up at the will call window three out of the four people who showed up said my name's not will but I think there's tickets here for me uh, nah. <laughs> but but three out of four, but three out of four, and and the guy from the auto show said to me, uh, "Did you put people up to that?" <laughs> and I said, "No, no, I guess not." So, uh, so that so and uh, coming up when they're available, we will be giving away tickets to the uh, auto show in Boston. And not, the today. No, not today, not <laughs> today, not today though, not today though, because uh, I don't have them. So, but as soon as I have them, I will be giving them out. So, uh, and also. I've been asked to be at the auto show on that Saturday of the uh, of the weekend that the auto show takes place because that is the Massachusetts Auto Dealers uh, Student Skills Competition, and they liked it that I was there last year, and they asked me to come back. There's you nothing to go it.
2: anyways because you always do it remote.
1: I no. no the, since they moved from Bayside, when they used to be right over here, here, here. at Bayside yeah. Expo Center. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. The, the, yeah. Thank God. That place is yeah. awful. Yeah. Uh, but that that place was, uh, it was actually kind of convenient to get to because they had parking up front. And if I go there really early in the morning, I just pulled up. I kind of knew the security people because it was the same security. They hired their own security. So it was the same 75 year old guy. And he'd go, hey, you coming here again? And I said, yep. They let me in. No problem. Except for the time with electricity. I had an electricity problem there.
2: Oh, I think I was for that one.
1: Yeah, where they wouldn't turn the power yeah, on. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to go bribe an electrician. Um, but it, it worked out fine at the end. So uh, so the, there's that. So I basically the, the new convention center is a little more difficult uh, to get in and out of, more security, that kind of stuff. But... Uh, but it, it's I, – I like going there, and I like going there because it's also a kids' competition, which is kind of nice. So it brings me back to when I used to run the Ford AAA student auto skills, which was the Chrysler troubleshoot, which was the Plymouth troubleshoot, which was just a troubleshoot. But I wasn't around for just the troubleshoot. I was around for the Plymouth troubleshoot, the Chrysler troubleshoot, and the Ford auto skills competition. All the same thing. And uh, – and that was that was always fun and I always found that the kids that were involved in that always seemed a little more mature for some reason and I, I think it's because they're they're generally all seniors and they've been working they as part of their as part of their uh, school they get to go they get to go to work so I think the idea that they have to be up and at work and you know be reasonable and all that sort of stuff helps them a lot so I think that's a pretty good thing you need some help sending your kid to college? Sure. Um, this comes from, it's kind of it's kind of funny whenever I read this. This comes from uh, Weber Shandwick, which is a public relations firm. And it says, hey, John, as we head into the busy holiday travel season, when many teens and their families will be hitting the road, actually 1.6 million more will be on the road this year, according to AAA. Yes, I wrote that. Uh, <laughs> Please let me know your thoughts on the road safety story below. Lauren, Michelin just launched a uh, the Penny for a Free Ride program for teens to win a $100,000 college scholarship during National Scholarship Month, which is November, so you don't have a lot of time left, uh, by just uh, by using just one penny to check the safety of their tires and posting on social media about it. Teens could score a full ride to college and potentially save... Lives in the process while distracted driving due to texting is widely talked about. Most people don't know the tire-related car. They said accidents. I like to say crashes. Accidents is when I knock my coffee off the console here. A crash is when cars run into each other. Uh, Happened twice as often. 457 versus 758 fatalities per year. So tire-related crashes happen more often than uh, distracted driving crashes, according to them. The Awareness Program helps connect two stressors weighing in on the minds of parents and kids, driving safely, and the rising cost of college tuition. Here's how to to do it. Paying attention? Yep. All right. A teen will need to complete the Penny Tread Test. An easy test done with a penny to show how good or poor the tread is on your tires and share it on social media with the hashtag Penny for a Free Ride.
2: Penny for a Free Ride. Yeah.
1: So get your kid out there. Have them lean down in front of uh, in front of the tire of uh, I do the old car. Okay, just because. Yeah, and uh, and 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 look and do something, I guess. So
2: D- it yeah. doesn't say put the penny upside down
1: and put. The it doesn't hay. tell you how to do it, but it'd be good if you did it that way. So penny for a free ride.
2: And you just go on social media and do. Yep, hashtag, that's what I'd say hashtag
1: for penny for a free ride. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Car crashes, number one killer of teens, and 300,000 teen driving crashes uh, happen on the road each year, and they're tire-related, according to NHTSA. Tuitions at in-state public universities have increased 221%. Really? Uh, Out of the fears parents have, uh, fear that their child will be in a crash, like a car crash, in the top three uh, are some of the most worrisome, so... Anyway, penny, penny, hashtag, the hashtag is, um, where was it, where was it, penny for a free ride, so the little number sign, for people who don't know, little number sign, or pound sign, little pound sign, and uh, it's just that easy, so I don't know, for the minute or so it would take to do this, across all of your social media, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat,
2: Tyler's on a couple things. He's not on the big ones though. No. Well, Twitter. He's on Twitter. Mm. That's about the only big real big yep. one he's on. He's got. Um, I, Snapchat? Don't think he does, I don't think he has Snapchat yet. He does Discord. TikTok. No TikTok. <laughs> Periscope. Uh, no, not Periscope either. Like he's on, that's kind he's of on good. another one. There's one that he's on that I don't. Yeah,
1: Periscope. Periscope's kind of disappeared when Facebook Live came out. Periscope kind of disappeared. So, but anyway, it's it's. Hey, for the um, the amount of time it's going to take to do this. Hashtag Penny for a free ride. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Maybe even get a little creative, make a sign, put it next to you, the penny. Maybe you don't even need a <laughs> car. Maybe just draw a picture.
2: No, I think they want you to see the tire. Yeah, I would. And, is it would, and it, it, who is it? Michelin. Michelin.
1: Michelin. Yeah. Ooh,
2: I think I think the old car has Michelin tires. on There it. you go.
1: Maybe. There you go. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. I mean, I I guess you know, there's you know, there's going to be a million people that do this. They hope so. You know, they really hope that that's going to be the case. But. Um,
2: so you're the one that writes the AAA stats. Sometimes, that sometimes that the news. Sometimes, sometimes. For all of AAA? Or no,
1: just? no, just my area here. Yeah. Or if I don't write them, I research them. And if I don't write them and I research them, I just talk about them. And then sometimes I don't do anything. I'm doing an interview on uh, Thanksgiving travel on Monday. Where? Radio. Where? <laughs> Fitchburg. Oh, okay. Yeah. With uh, legendary news guy, Sherman Whitman. I I know you name. gotta be old I still he, was on I WBC- know he was on wbcn yeah. for years yeah. really nice nice guy um got a got an email that sort of surprised me the other day it says hope you can use a news story in a calendar listing a few times over the next few weeks has nothing to do with cars whatsoever and it's uh it says, uh, two noted area comedians take uh, center stage at a night of fun and comedy on Saturday, December 7th, in a unique benefit to support the New England Friends of uh, March for the Living and Brotherhood of Temple Israel and Sharon. Uh, the program starts at 7.30 at the Temple. It will be hosted by local funnyman Harvey Wolf, and headlining the show is Tony V, who was named by Showtime TV as the funniest person in Massachusetts. Funniest person in Massachusetts. He is kind of funny, but anyway. So, if you want more information about that, uh, you can uh, go online. It says there's also sponsors available. It's uh, too hard. Just just Google, just Google the uh, Temple and Sharon. Best way to do it. I just thought it was kind of funny because it was like I get I get some things sometimes, and it's. Uh, it's like, how does that have anything to do with cars? And It doesn't have anything to do with cars. So, But sometimes I do get those. We are going to be talking about the all-new electric Mustang SUV-ish sort of vehicle coming up next. Uh, not next, but coming up soon. But in that whole kind of electric vehicle space, uh, the highest-end Mercedes G-Wagon glendon wagon but they've called it the g-wagon an electric f- version of the g-class will help mercedes meet f- future carbon dioxide emissions regulations it could also help to secure the model's future at a time when environmentalists are targeting heavy less efficient suvs speaking of which the tesla pickup truck
2: i was going to ask when you're going if you're going to bring that up it doesn't look like a pickup truck it, it doesn't look like anything it failed miserably
1: yeah it looks like it should be on, uh, what was that movie in Australia? Um, Mad Max? Mad Max. Looks like it should be in Mad Max. Yes. It And it's got like some kind of aerodynamic thing over the cover in the back of the bed, which go, which going to have no visibility. I guess it's going to have rear view cameras because you can't see anything. And then the windows were supposed to be bulletproof well or shatterproof shatterproof and they threw a baseball at it and broke it twice twice <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and it's ugly it looks like well not not for nothing um
2: but when all these the way the cars are now when they were first coming out yeah. like the egg-shaped cars that we have yeah. nowadays yeah.
1: everybody thought they were ugly yeah but I always say that all the cars sort of look alike because they're all designed in wind tunnels. But they have a little style. This is designed in a wind tunnel like it has style. It does. It has some <laughs> something, but it is just it is just it looks like You know those um robot war things where they build remote control robots yeah. and it looks like somebody someone who built one, one of those. It looks like it's going to be a transformer. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks like it's designed to drive up under the back of a car and flip it over. Pretty much. Yeah. It's the goofy-looking thing, but good for Elon. I want to know if he's so smart. You know, he wants to build a tunnel that's going to go under. How come he can't figure out how to get all the water from the East Coast that's flooding everything and put it in the West Coast where the fires are? Why not? Well... You know, why not? And uh, Cadillac could also bring out a big electric SUV. According to an article, uh, General Motors isn't going to miss uh, a chance to offer an electric luxury SUV, a battery-powered version of the Cadillac Escalade, will be one of four electric vehicles produced at the Detroit uh, assembly plant by the end of 2023 according to a forecasting company the plant which has been scheduled to close in january will remain open under the automaker's newly ratified contract with uaw uh in that deal gm agreed to invest three billion dollars and use the plant to build electric uh, pickup trucks and van e- ev production at the plant could start in 2021. Uh, lmc automotive told automotive news last week that the Escalade and an all-electric GMC Sierra full-size pickup could go into production two years later, according to a closely watched provider of industry sales and statistics. What's interesting, too, they also look at um, suppliers, and they go, oh, GM's already starting to ask about this, 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 and this, and why would they do that if they weren't going to build something? So that's one of the reasons why they do it. Uh, Given the platform, the size, they expect uh, the van built at the uh, Detroit plant to be full-size, possibly similar to a Ford Transit. Uh, the plant's full capacity is 160,000 vehicles per year, but after conversion to EV production, capacity will drop to what they say about 100,000 vehicles a year. So kind of, kind of interesting. And the uh, Nissan also wants to do an electric pickup truck because the Titan pickup truck is kind of failing. But uh, they,
2: you know what? Sorry, the Titan pickup truck. I like it. Yeah, it's just Nissan quality isn't. It... Well, it's,
1: and I have yeah. the Nissan. the The problem with the Titan truck is nobody knows it's there. They don't try. Yeah. They don't they push
2: don't, it. They did it first, and then yeah. they
1: then they stopped. Uh, engineers uh, at uh, Nissan are working on a to electrify the company's pickups joining the growing field of competitors now interested in the segment electrification will be a key to trucks uh, electric is fun to drive it's fantastic torque acceleration quietness all of which are great and but when and how it happens remains to be seen whether Nissan pickups receive hybrid powertrains or full battery electric powertrains will hinge on the results of the technology now in development and also on affordability there should not be any compromise in terms of towing in terms of payload and I don't think there will be I think power Power and performance from the vehicles will be fine. Electrification is sweeping across the sedan and crossover segments, but automakers have been hesitant to attempt it on their work-a-day pickup with uh, no-nonsense power and driving range priorities. I don't know. I think most pickup trucks don't really go that far, at least around here in the Northeast, and having something with a 300-mile range I think would be fine. U.S. pickup uh, Kings, Ford, and General Motors are playing electric versions of their all-important trucks. An electric F-150 is expected in 2021. Um, and of course, uh, Michigan-based uh, startup Rivian aims to begin uh, delivery of its battery-powered pickup in 2021, and that's going to be partnered with Ford, I think. I wonder what ever happened to that the company. company we had? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I they can't even remember their name now. Yeah, just, but uh, they were they were kind of they were kind of working their they were way there. Of this curve. Yeah, yeah. Um, with us on the phone is uh, Chevrolet spokesman Shad Balsh, and there is big news out of the L.A.
3: Auto Show. Shad,
1: good morning, and what can you tell us about the news?
3: Yeah, so we, on Monday this week, we were able to accept the award for Motor Trend for their 2020 Car of the Year for Corvette, and this is a this is a huge honor. It's sort of like out here in L.A., it's like the Oscars for the automotive industry. Yeah,
1: it, it really is, and uh, over the years, the, the Motor Trend Award, the, it's it's a pretty competitive event, and to let the Corvette kind of rise to the top with uh, some of the some of the vehicles out there, that's quite the honor. Um, this is the first year for the 2020 Corvette mid-engine model, the, the new model. Can you tell us a little bit about it and what makes it so much different? I think it's... Uh, pretty pretty well received uh across the media for the people that uh kind of went a corvette with an engine in the middle what's that all about
3: yeah you're exactly right and for 67 years ever since we started building corvette it's always had the engine in the front and it's been a very traditional front engine uh supercar and now for the eighth generation the 2020 model it's completely been reconfigured, and there's not, there's not even one carryover part from the last generation. So that means everything is different. The biggest difference, of course, is that the engine is no longer in the front of the car, it's back behind the driver and the passenger. So the reason we did that is, in order to improve performance and handling, we needed to, to balance it out in terms of a weight ratio perspective. And putting the engine in the back, it allows the car to stick to the ground, and when you hit the throttle, the wheels don't spin as much because you have all that weight back there,
1: and uh, you know typical typical mid-engine uh, supercars, and and this really is a supercar. Some of the performance numbers are already out there. Uh, you know they're generally a hundred and a hundred thousand dollars on up, and the Corvette, uh, it's a scary
3: bargain. Well, and I think that's part of why it's why Motor Trend recognized this as, as being the car of the year, and why that is such a big honor for us is that. Like you said, it is a supercar. It's an exotic. It does 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds, top speed of 194 miles per hour, 495 horsepower, all of these performance metrics. It's just better than cars that start at $250,000. So the ability to package all of that up into a, into a very good-looking, sleek-designed car, that's why it's it one Motor Trend Car of the Year.
1: And uh, you said you talked about some of these performance numbers and zero to sixty in under under thirty seconds, and uh, I mean under, no, th- under three seconds. Th- yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you pushed it, if you pushed it, maybe you could get to sixty in under thirty seconds. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> under, yeah, uh, zero to sixty in under three seconds. Now the uh, the new Corvette, uh, you know, in looking at years back and older Corvettes, there's been more powerful engines, but nothing in sort of the entry level model. And this is what really makes this car unique. This is, this is a car that is, like you said, supercar performance at, uh, you know, uh, pickup truck price.
3: That's exactly right. So the last generation Corvette, the C7, with the front engine design, we have the ZR1 super high performance version of that car. And that was an absolute monster in terms of just how fast it was. It had a top speed of about 204 miles per hour, 0 to 60 at around 3 seconds. You're right. The base model of the new Corvette is faster than the high-performance version of the last-generation Corvette. So that just speaks to the engineering prowess of my colleagues who were able to put all of that power and performance and offer it at the base model under 60 grand
1: yeah under 60 grand and like you pointed out 495 horsepower and almost as much torque and torque is uh, what 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 makes supercars fun
3: you're exactly right torque is it's sort of a it's a hard hard number to understand but it's sort of what gives the the car the feel of the oomph so that when you hit the throttle you have your horsepower but torque is actually what thrusts the car forward so when you have a high torque number that isn't trailing off too far behind horsepower the combination of those, those two numbers really make it feel like it's an exotic thrill ride and the the legendary 6.2 liter v8 that we have uh in the chevy lineup is what we're using in the in the next generation corvette so we know it's tried and true and it was just it made sense now that being said we are using for the first time in corvette a dct automatic transmission that means a dual clutch transmission automatic and that shift is is the reason we're using it is because the shift is so much faster than any human can shift a car if it were a manual. So that is how you get that performance number of 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds.
1: And and I know there's people out there that are going to be disappointed. There's no third pedal. There's no clutch pedal. But like you pointed out, this is this uh, this is this is the way of the world. This is Formula 1 type uh, transmissions where they are much quicker than any human can shift. Yeah. Although, it, you know, there are going to be those purists that go, I kind of miss the clutch pedal.
3: You know, and I'm one of those people. I love having that sort of connection to the car, but I got to tell you, I spent a week with the new C8, driving the DCT, and it does have the option to to manually shift it. You don't have the clutch pedal, but you can control when it shifts. And let me tell you, that is more than enough, because the way that car takes off, you've got to have all eyes and all ears on what's going on ahead of you, and it's nice to not have to worry about, having your hands down or worrying about a clutch pedal. It's just, it's, it's something that you need to experience.
1: Yeah. And when, and when you have nearly 500 horsepower on tap and uh, fantastic handling, uh, yeah, you, you, you stay focused, you stay focused on what's in front of you and that, and that's what's important at that point. This is not the first time Corvettes ever won the Motor Trend Car of the Year, right?
3: No, we've run, we've won it, uh, two other times, uh, back in, uh, well, the most recent time, I believe, was uh, in the late 80s, I think. But yeah. you're right. This is the third time that we we have been named Motor Trend's car of the year. But i got to tell you, when you have a third-party endorsement like Motor Trend, who is renowned for the fine-tooth comb that they use to go through and evaluate these vehicles, for them to come out and say, of all the new vehicles, the Chevy Corvette is the best. That is quite a ringing endorsement, and we're very proud of, of that recognition and taking home that trophy
1: yeah it's it's really amazing and what and what's nice is you know once the once the new car came out and people got to see it people got to realize that it wasn't going to be uh you know there was all kinds of nasty rumors out there is this going to be a four-cylinder turbocharged with electrification and not the Corvette that we all grew up and know and love. And this is truly a real V8-powered, real Corvette that that just, uh, that just will not disappoint Corvette buyers.
3: You're exactly right. And we love our Corvette owners, and they hold us to task when we make any major deviations from what they know Corvette should be, like going from round taillights to square taillights on the last generation Corvette. But then you see it in person, and it grows on you, and eventually the, the diehard and unloyalist customers, they come around. But you're right, there was a lot of chatter when people were hearing about the mid-engine Corvette for the eighth generation. There was a lot of skepticism. and even I mean, some people were calling it not even a Corvette anymore if they're going to do that. But when you see it come out, and when you see that all, all that you get at a price point that is attainable, which has been the pillar of Corvette, has always been attainable. Right. Then people came around and said, okay, this is a better car, they did it right, and it's still attainable. And you guys, it
1: isn't like, it isn't like Chevrolet said we're going to build a Corvette and we're going to do nothing for the next couple of years. You guys came out with a convertible already.
3: We sure did, yes. Um, and I'm staring at one right now. Uh, and it's a hard top convertible which is another first for Corvette every convertible we've done so far has been a soft top so this version uh, it's a hard top convertible it drops down in 16 seconds and you can do it while you're driving up to 30 miles per hour so you get to do it on the fly it's just it's a it's a magnificent piece of artwork when you get to see this happening
1: yeah it's when I think whenever you see a hardtop top convertible do its thing it's it's uh it's the automotive equivalent of I guess uh, a ballet or something it's just it's just uh, a lot of fun to watch that stuff happen and just the idea that now all of a sudden you have you have a convertible. You have you have the traditional Corvette. You and you still have the V eight the V eight engine and you have a fantastic sound coming out of the tailpipes. And that's and I think that's where all the all the Corvette passion is. That's where, you know, people look at the car and it, it, it's it's it sounds like the car it's supposed to be.
3: You're right. And it looks like it too. I mean, there was a big challenge when we reconfigured the entire design and uh, the powertrain for the car, how are we going to make this look like a true Corvette? And the designers did such a good job of putting lines that are very much Corvette. They start all the way in the tip of the nose, go over the roof, down the back hatch, and it is a Corvette through and through. And you, you see it. You see it drive by. You realize you're looking at something different, but then you instantly, it dawns on you. That's the Corvette.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's that's what makes it special. That's what makes it that's what makes it an amazing car and it's an amazing car that's made in kentucky
3: it sure is yes bowling green kentucky in fact we just built the last of the c7 generation corvettes and uh, uh the team out there is retooling the plant getting ready to start building the, the eighth generation corvettes right now
1: yeah no it's uh it's it's amazing uh uh local east coast guy uh chasing classic cars wayne carini was telling me he he already has his on order so he's uh he's he's waiting for his delivery for his too so it just it's it's amazing it's still the idea that this is a sixty thousand dollar car and not a hundred and sixty thousand dollar car looking at the style looking at the performance of it looking at the uh interior shots that i saw it this is this is uh, I don't know how I don't know how you guys did it. I don't know how you guys put this car together for for under sixty thousand dollars, but amazing you did.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is American ingenuity at its finest, and the guys did just an amazing job. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Saturday morning and joining us. your beer in Boston. Uh, can't wait to get my hands on one and drive one. Sounds good. We can make that happen. All right.
3: Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.
1: I want to thank Shad Walsh for joining us. And telling us a little bit about the all new Corvette. What do you think? What do you think about the all new Corvette? Mid engine Corvette? You happy with it? You're not? What do you think? Give us a call at 617 770 3030. 617 770 3030. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, Despair to Boston. We'll be right back.
5: and welcome
1: back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950, WROL, the spirit of Boston. This is the goofiest story I've ever read. A tire rotation was performed by a Chevrolet dealership in Michigan and was by definition complete, a panel of judges determined, even though one of the wheels fell off. And how is one it One of the wheels fell off. How is it complete? because the mechanic forgot to tighten the lug nuts. A lawyer who specializes in Lemon Law cases mocked the ruling last month in a case that dates to 2013 as idiotic. In a broad sense, Stephen Leto told the Detroit News, every mechanic now has the right to start a job and not complete it and say, okay, I finished it. A lower court ruled that the dealership... uh, Benton, Baker, Chevrolet, and Muskegon violated Michigan law prohibiting customers from being charged for repairs not performed. But a three-judge panel from Michigan Court of Appeals looked up the word perform (laughs) in two dictionaries and concluded that it generally refers to completion of an action according to an established procedure. The term does not imply that the action has been completed properly, successfully, or without a mistake. So the appeals court threw out the award of $110,000 in damages and attorney fees against the dealership. The plaintiff was riding in the passenger seat of a 1991 Cadillac Seville. When the left front tire came out, he alleges the incident injured his back. Um, You know, I I always question the personal injury thing. But because they said, well, you rotated the tires, we didn't say we were going to tighten everything back up. That's stupid. stupid. (laughs) I'm like. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. They got no arguments for me. That set a precedent. Oh yeah.
2: my goodness.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with.
2: Sorry, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do, right. do it. All right.
1: My favorite class action suit. Did you know, Red Bull gets sued, really, because apparently it really doesn't give you. Wind. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes. I saw that. But you that. get like a free can if you join the class action suit, and then your heart beats really fast and you die, but not really. I drink Red Bull once in a while. Um. This is from the SEMA show, and apparently Jay Leno has a restored 1968 Bronco that has a Mustang Shelby GT500 engine in it. Of course he does. Uh, we won't see the Ford Bronco until spring, but Broncomania was in full effect at the SEMA show last week. Former Tonight Show host Jay Leno. Do they really have to say that, former Tonight Show host? Yes. Can't they just say Jay Leno? He was on it. Yeah, I
2: know. Around the, as yeah. long as Johnny yeah. Carson, if not how about, longer, right. How
1: about a host of uh, Jay Leno's Garage?
2: That doesn't have the ratings. I know that doesn't saying. have the resonance.
1: Okay, um, was at a Ford conference uh, in Las Vegas and showed off his restored 1968 Bronco, outfitted with a Mustang Shelby GT500 engine and a manual transmission. How did Leno, an avid car collector, get his hands on the Bronco? It turns out the SUV was uh a dilapidated at time and was a gag gift from a. Uh, Late night uh, TV host Craig Ferguson, it was parked in Leno's spot at the eve of his taping and uh, came with a note. Hey, Joe, this is this is for you. Leno got a laugh inspired by the upcoming Bronco when visiting Detroit. He worked uh, with Ford Performance to have it restored. Bronco was an iconic vehicle that was uh, many things to many people. Leno said in a statement, the Bronco was bought to use on a farm and take your date to the prom and was comfortable in any of other environments. The idea of having classic Bronco upgraded with modern handling, performance, and braking really makes the best of both worlds. The Bronco version will be featured on an upcoming episode of Jay Leno's Garage on CNBC and it will be showcased in detail on YouTube. It's actually a Bronco 2, so at least that's what it looks like a Bronco 2. But good for him, I guess. That's what you can do when you have plenty of money. Speaking of plenty of money, when Dennis wants to buy his new Aston Martin SUV. Sure. Yep. Uh, Aston Martin's upcoming DBX SUV will start at $192,986. Why don't they just say $193,000? It's only $14 off from that. And that includes shipping. Uh and the British brand said uh, that puts the price of the DBX on par with the growing group of competitor models that started with the Bentley Bentayga. The VA-powered Bentley starts at 167000 with Lamborghini, uh, which also starts about 211000 The Rolls-Royce Cullinan, which is the only one of these ridiculously expensive SUVs that I have driven, um, went on sale in 2018, and that starts at 323000 Price Prices include uh, Ferrari's plans for a SUV as well. So, um, a lot of people spending a lot of money. Why don't we go to Tom in Weymouth? Tom, good morning and happy
6: Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, you too, John. Have a happy one, John. I don't know how you do everything you do. First of all, you're always somewhere. You're in Florida. You're driving out here. You're driving there. How do you do it? (laughs) What do you take? (laughs) You're making me feel like I'm lazy. You know, well... <laughs> a compliment yeah, well, time. thank you.
1: I appreciate that. <laughs>
6: um, on the Corvette, you know, uh, it, it sounds like a great car. It, uh, it almost makes me want one. Like, you know, a lot of times you want to go retro, you know, go buy an yep. OG. Yep. This car seems to fulfill everything, except do you think it's a mistake for not coming out with a four-speed, hmm. five-speed, or whatever they are now, six-speed?
1: Well, yeah, that's what, you know, I... I guess, you know, it's the way of the world. You know, less than 10% of the cars on the market are standard transmissions. And there's a whole, you know, that was one of the things, the Jaguar F-Type, the Jaguar little two-seater, you know, that was one of the things that uh, they made a real point of saying, we're going to build a standard transmission version. And it it has been fairly successful, although not a lot of people are buying them. I... You know, I think there is, even though I know that this new transmission can shift way better than me, way more accurately than me, won't make any mistakes, there is something kind of magic about
6: a clutch pedal. Exactly. And and that's kind of where my point is going. I, I read a little on the Corvette, and, you know, they're saying, you know, because it's so fast, who's really driving those cars fast? You can't drive them fast. You just want to go out for a cruise in you the mean, 4 You mean 0-60 zero, zero
1: in 2.8 seconds or whatever it is? Yeah,
6: I mean, yeah. You know, you're not doing that on the street, so you don't... It, they're just numbers, yeah. you know, as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? If I bought one or somebody else bought one or an average person who just, you know, wants when you're older. But I would want the 4-speed. To be honest with you, if I was contemplating, I wouldn't buy it now because I, I really want that Six mm. feet, I guess yeah. It is. Yeah. Because well, it's kind the fun of
1: it. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of funny. When I was in Florida last week, um, everybody it seems like every guy my age or older is driving a Corvette. Uh, <laughs> it's like everybody moved to Florida, had a little extra money, and, and bought a bought a Corvette of some make or you know some year. Right. And I bet half the ones I looked at were stick shifts. Yes. Yeah. So.
6: I mean, is it just because? We're we're older, but but if you also take a look at uh, older cars, the ones that are more valuable, you know, from the 60s, 70s, are the four speeds. Yeah. So, uh, I mean... I mean, you're smarter than I am. Yeah. No,
1: anyways. No, I think, you know, and you don't know that down the road is this transmission going to be used in something else? Is there, you know, is it going to be a replacement for, who Who knows? Who knows what the story is? And maybe, and maybe with the way the engine's designed and the weight of this transmission, it may have had to do with the whole balancing act of the car. You, you don't really, you don't mm. really know. Um, yes. And, and who right. knows, maybe if someone was, uh, you know, stupid with a stick shift, it would tear the clutch apart. You know, it is 500 horsepower. Who You know, who knows what the real answer is. But I guess, you know, there are going to be the people that, that will say, you know, it should have been a stick. It should have been a stick. And mm. those same people might also go out and buy an automatic. So you, you don't know.
6: It's just nice to have the option. I mean, that was one of the great things back in the 60s. when You bought cars you could option anything and everything. Yep. you know, for the most part, and it really kind of made it fun to buy a car because you were putting it together on a personal level. Yep. Today, it's you know, uh, you get three different categories. You buy option one, two, three. You get yep. this. You know, I yep. mean, it's a, it's a, it's a different world. And on the pricing, just because it's for time, it is a, it is a great price. But. Yep. Is it, or is everything else overpriced?
1: Well, I don't. I, you know, that's that's a good that's a good point. But yeah, if you when you you know you go out and buy a pickup truck now, and they they start at thirty thousand and go to 90000 So the exactly, price, it's not overpriced. where the is that money? That price, even like yeah.
6: regular cars, because you yep. said it. You know, remember before you yep. could buy cars. Now everything's thirty five. Yep. You know what no, I mean?
1: No, I I know. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> I think you're right. Hey, Tom, thanks for calling in. Yeah, take care. All right, take care. Bye, bye. Let's see. We'll go to Robert in Kingsborough, I think. Robert, good morning.
5: Good morning, John. How are you today? Good. How are you? Yeah, I just want to throw my two cents into the uh, ring. Or, you, know, yep. you know, automatic for taking over from manuals and new engine cars and, you know, V6. Yep. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not even... Well, you know, at, least, at
1: least the Corvette didn't have a four-cylinder hybrid with a turbocharger in it.
5: Yeah, but the fact, I like the C6 model myself better. I don't even care for the C7 all that much as far as style, you know. Well,
1: I have to, the the C7 grew on me after a while. I will, you know, like like, uh, Shad said in the interview, you know, it took a while for people to relate to the idea that it had, you know, angular taillights and not round taillights. So uh, the, uh, when it it went to, uh, you know, when it went to, Changing. I got to admit, though, my favorite is the C6 convertible.
5: Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I really like that car. Yeah. Uh,
5: You know, as far as taillights, I mean, Ford had that trouble back with T Bridge in the 50s. Oh, sure, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, any little change. But like I say, I guess they can't control a manual with uh, emissions and the mileage like they can the automatic. But, you know, like the the Shelby GT500, one transmission, a seven speed automatic. Um, It's just, I don't have any appeal. I want that third pedal. And,
1: well, uh, you know, I hate to say it. Maybe it's just us old guys.
5: Yeah, maybe. But, yeah. Not, you know, if the younger people would drive one, it's not necessarily being the quickest, 60 or 205 miles an hour. It's just the skill of driving the manual. It's more fun. Yeah. I, you know, if you I, if you like driving, you know.
1: Yeah. I, you know, when I, when I have a, on the rare occasion, I have a standard transmission car and I'm stuck in Boston, stop and go traffic. I want to kill myself. But yeah. When I'm true. on, when I'm on a, a twisty two lane road or some place that's a little bit out in the open where I can downshift and upshift and enjoy myself, it's a completely different experience.
5: So. Oh, yeah, the, the yeah. on and off ramps and the yeah. cruise. Oh, and sure. all. Yeah,
1: yeah, all of that.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah.
1: Hey, Robert. Yeah. Always good to hear from you.
5: Same here, John. All right. Have take a good care. Bye bye.
1: Well, kind of in that same vein of performance cars. Um, you know, there is, there is a new a new EV pony car Mustang sort of thing out here. And uh, Christine Sanders, she is the U.S. Consumer Marketing Manager for the Mustang Mark E. And this is, in the words of uh, Bob Tasca from Tasca Ford, one of the most phenomenal cars he's ever seen. Christina, good morning and welcome to Boston.
7: Good morning. Excited to be here.
1: Well, there's a there's a there's a new there's a new Mustang, and uh, unlike a Shelby GT500, this is an electric Mustang.
7: Yeah, we're really excited. It's the first first time in fifty five years that we're expanding the Mustang brand. Um, this isn't replacing anything—not the, the V eight or any of your beloved Mustangs. But um, this is a, an all new, all electric Mustang SUV. We're really excited to have it shown off this week,
1: and it really did. And I, I, missed it. You, you actually showed it off in Fenway Park this week, I think, too. So, um, yeah,
7: the, we, yeah, we, did. we had all the Boston, all the Boston dealers and uh, New England dealers from Maine and Vermont able to come down and see it and featured in Fenway Park. It was exciting.
1: Yeah, and it, uh, and it really has a lot of cues from the Mustang with uh, the grill, the back of the vehicle, the taillights. lights. Um, you you look at it and go, I see a lot of Mustang in there.
7: Yeah, the designers did an amazing job of kind of embodying that Mustang spirit, um, that soul and the silhouette that has that sloping roof line, really steep roof line. It has that front grille, the shark nose, the tri-bar taillights and headlamps. Um, so when you look at it, it's really sleek and really a powerful, powerful exterior design. And...
1: Uh, it, it but at the end of the day it like you said it expanded the mustang brand and mm-hmm. uh making making the brand a little bit not just a two-door sports car but now it's a kind of a brand onto its own and it really is it's a to, for people who haven't seen it it's really a crossover SUV
7: Exactly. It was a way to modernize and electrify the Mustang portfolio for a lot of people who need more space. I mean, the majority of people who leave the Mustang brand for right now are going into SUVs and things like that just because they outgrow the Tudor Coupe, and so this is a way that now people can have two Mustangs in their garage. They can have their Coupe V8 engine, and they can also now have the Mustang Mach-E, so it's just a new horse in the stable.
1: And speaking of horses, it's got a bunch, right? (laughs) (laughs)
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have we have it on the grill in the back. The GT version will obviously have the GT badge, yep. but um, we're we're excited about that. And then um, you know we can't obviously just have it look like a Mustang and also have to drive like a Mustang. So we're also really excited about the performance and specs that that we're bringing to the vehicle as well.
1: Have have those uh, performance numbers? Have they been out yet? Uh, horsepower range? Things yeah, like that.
7: Yep. yeah. Let me tell you about them. So first of all, I mean the the Vake GT Performance Edition is going to bring all those thrills that Mustangs famous for. It's zero to sixty in the me, mid three second range. Um, we have four hundred and fifty nine horsepower, six hundred twelve foot pound or pound foot of torque. And then also it gives you that, that confidence on the road. It's over 300 miles of range, um, and, and then as, as well as that, we're bringing in charging solutions for people who, you know, might not know a lot about charging, haven't done you know, all electric vehicles yet, and so we're um, partnering with Electrify America and GreenLots and a few other charging networks out there to bring the FordPass charging network, which is going to give uh, customers over 12,500 chargers on the road so that they'll have that peace of mind when traveling.
1: So, people would be able to either charge at a, for want of a better word, electric filling station,
7: or mm-hmm. they'll
1: be able to uh, uh, level two charge at home, maybe like overnight type of thing?
7: Yeah, absolutely. So, standard with the vehicle, we're going to have a mobile charge core that will have either a 210 or 110 outlet or 220 um, volt outlets. So you can plug into either of those and get, um, you know, charge mm-hmm. wherever you go. So, if you're doing a weekend trip to a friend's house or visiting grandma who might not have a charging station, you can plug in there. But then you also can purchase through the Ford dealers um, a, a wall box charging station mm-hmm. that will give you, it's a 48 amp, 220 volts, so it will give you even faster charge. You can charge the vehicle in about eight hours. So come back home, come back home at night, plug it in in eight hours, you'll be ready to go again, full we'll charge.
1: And that and and that eight hour number sounds like a lot, but people aren't running the cars down to zero. They're typically sort of like your cell phone or your tablet or your laptop or whatever. You know, you kind of at the end of the day you sort of plug it in mm-hmm. and it might be at fifty percent or sixty or forty. So it's probably exactly. yeah, it's probably not gonna take eight hours. It's probably gonna be charged up in half that time.
7: Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I mean, the majority of people drive, you know, 50, 80 80 miles a day. You're not driving 300 miles a day necessarily. Um, But if you do, if you're on a road trip, then you can plug into this Ford Pass Charging Network, which has a level three charging, so a DC fast charge. And we're targeting, you know, zero or 10% to 80% in 45 minutes. So you'll be able to stop, you know, grab some lunch and be back on the road pretty
1: quickly yeah that's uh, that seems to be the, that seems to be the happy number if you can go someplace and have lunch and come back to a fully mm-hmm. charged car and then you know get back in the seat and drive for what could amount to another four or five hours which is plenty of time i don't you know even, you could you could potentially have the most comfortable seats in the world in this car but still if you're going to yeah. be spending eight hours in a car that's too much
7: Exactly. Yeah. And we also have a cloud based navigation system that will help you along the way. So if you say, I'm going from Boston to New York, it will say, you know, it will recommend the different charging stations along the way. And say, this is approximately when you'll want to charge. If you want to end up in New York with 30% of charge still, and you can say, no, I want to you know, have it stop where there's a coffee shop or a mm-hmm. Walmart, then it will adjust and recommend those charging stations for you. Yeah, so my... i to make it really easy for customers.
1: Yeah, my my boss has an electric car with a pretty good range, and he, um, he showed me a picture of as he was pulling into a charging station with three miles left on it. (laughs) <laughs> but but he, he, he has gotten used to it to the point where he kind of kind of knows, and and, he, and, he, and I think he's on his now third electric car. But he got, yeah. the first time he had one, he did have, like everybody does, range anxiety. It's like, you know, I'm worried I'm going to run out of electricity. What's going to happen? Then once he found out yeah. that there were some charging stations here and there, in fact, uh, where I work, the AAA office that I work in, we have a charging station. And around the corner, I noticed the mm-hmm. local Walmart just put in 6 of them so we're seeing charging stations popping up everywhere
7: everywhere now the majority of your charging like you said you'll do at home or at work Mm -hmm. so you really won't need to be out and about looking for them but yeah they're 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 more all over the place than people think um so it it really once you kind of get used to it like you said you'll be good to go but if for some reason you know you run out of charge you're stranded on the road Mm -hmm. or roadside assistance will come come help you out so there really shouldn't be any any range anxiety to speak of, because there'll always be a backup plan for you.
1: Yeah, no, I even I even saw somebody has somebody has a what amounts to a portable battery, and it doesn't even have gasoline. In it' a portable battery mm-hmm. generator that is designed mm-hmm. to charge up an electric car. So, so yeah, yeah.
7: And it can at least get you enough charge to the next charging station. Right. So.
1: Yeah, no, it's.
7: Same thing as running out of gas.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's no different than that. No, and, uh, you know, prior to you coming on the show today, I was talking about electric, electrification and how every vehicle manufacturer seems like they have, uh, you know, they're in this game right now. And it's, and, you know, although there are going to be the, you know, Ford. Mustang purists that go, well, there's no such, there's no such Mustang with four doors, but the idea that you brought some of, you know, brought some of the Mustang DNA to this SUV and, uh, and have performance, uh, you know, you know, and anybody who's owned an older Mustang who loved the performance, they're going to be shocked what, uh, what an electric car, what electric car performance is like.
7: Absolutely, with that instant torque and acceleration. I mean, you're zero to sixty, but then also, you know, merging on the highway, the forty to eighty is, is again instant torque. So it's. I, I got to ride in it last week, and it's pretty phenomenal. We can't wait for to get more of them on the road for people to experience.
1: Yeah, no it it looks it looks pretty phenomenal. Um, is there timetables like when when we'll get to we'll get to see them? Uh, any idea of price or anything yet? Any of those type of things, or is it still too early?
7: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they'll they'll be in the auto shows um, starting next year, but then really the first deliveries aren't going to be until next fall. Okay. So a bit of time, but um, but people can go online right now on ford.com and place a reservation. It's five hundred dollars fully refundable. But you'll, fully refundable. You'll be able to go and choose your configuration, choose which series you'd like. Um, the pricing is up. So our Select, which is our base series, starts mm-hmm. at forty three thousand eight hundred ninety five. Um, but the Ford also still has our $7,500 worth of tax credits available. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyone purchasing that will get a, um, if you're eligible, you can get that discount as well. Um, but yeah, I encourage everyone to go online and, and take a look, um, and configure your vehicle.
1: Yeah, no, it's sound it sounds, it sounds really interesting. The performance sounds phenomenal. The idea that you're avoiding gas stations sounds kind of a, kind of a pleasant thing. I, I, I had to get gas the other day and, uh, I I'm not sure where I was, but my shoes still smell like gasoline.
7: So, <laughs> yep, this is much cleaner technology, and that's one thing that um, Bill Ford said in the reveal last Sunday was it's bringing together two of his passions: one of the sustainability environment, and one of performance sport cars. And so, this really kind of embodies both of those and brings those two together.
1: No, it sounds great. And one more time, if people want more information, how can they how can they find out?
7: Yeah, absolutely. So you can either visit your local dealer, they mm-hmm. have all the information, you can place a reservation with them, or go to Ford.com. We have a whole reveal page for the Mustang Mach-E, and you can place your deposit down and get in line for when deliveries start next year. Good.
1: Well, I, I hope to see one at the Boston Auto Show in January. Maybe, absolutely. Maybe, maybe maybe you can make it happen.
7: I'll, I'll work on it for you. All right.
1: All right. Thanks. Hey, have a nice hey, day, You down. as well. Take care, Christina. Bye-bye. That was Christina Sanders. She is the U.S. Consumer Marketing Manager for the Mustang Mach-E. So we already heard from people that said the Corvette should have a standard transmission. Okay, folks, what do you think about a four-door Mustang?
2: And a Mustang that isn't, I mean, it's performance. It does go fast. It does go fast. It does go fast. It does go fast. You're not going to feel that.
1: You're yeah. gonna you're gonna be shoved back in the seat what you're not gonna f- you're have not gonna feel is that the bass sound and the rumble yeah 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 so for people who are kind of you know to them it's all about the sound and this morning there's uh somebody must live on the South shore here somewhere there's a um there's an Audi uh, uh v10 Audi that is really a Lamborghini V10 in it and it drove by through the center of Braintree, South Braintree, I guess, where they're repaving. So, of course, it was driving by trying to avoid all the raised manhole covers, and hopefully he missed the new island they put in the middle <laughs> of the... <laughs> um, why they did that, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but you hear it going by, and you hear a very distinctive uh, V10, technically Lamborghini engine in this Audi, and people love the sound.
2: I love the sound. I love the sound of a good low end rumble. Mm-hmm. I don't like when they on the little Subarus. That, oh yeah, the I don't like that sound. Yeah, yeah the, no. the the low ends though. Yeah, give me that all the like yeah. on a motorcycle too. Yeah. Like give me yeah. the, the the Harleys yeah. or those. and
1: and that bikes. was and that you you bring up a good point because back in the olden days with MGs and Austin Healy's. They actually sounded good. People put yes. people put kind of louder exhausts on them, but it was a mellow sound. Where with a Subaru, they put a can on the back of it that sounds like uh, it's it's obnoxious to me. Yep. Now maybe it's my age, I don't know, but maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I mean, I'm not. I'm a l- couple yeah. decades
2: younger than you, but <laughs> not not that much younger than you. Um. Actually, I don't even know if I'm a couple of decades. Or yeah, anything. whatever. I think I'm like a decade and a yeah. half. whatever. Right. But even still, like, even my son, he when he hears like the low end, he's like, "Oh, that sounds nice." When he hears the Subarus, he's like, "That's annoying." So, yeah,
1: yeah. It's yeah, and and you could. I I remember two different little cars that I owned when I was in my twenties, I guess, and uh, one was a, one was an MGB. And the first thing I did was cut the stock exhaust system off of it and put on uh, kind of more of a straight through, but very mellow sounding exhaust. And then I owned a, uh, of all goofy cars I owned, was a Opel Manta. And uh, the first thing I did with that was cut the exhaust off of it and put a little bit louder exhaust on. So it sounded, it sounded good. It just, it was a. It was a relatively expensive muffler system, but it actually it actually added to the sound of sound of the car. It just kind of made it made it good. So, um, so. But I hope one thing they don't do is add artificial sound, which to me is. I was
2: going to say I think that's what they're going to end up doing. Yeah, before. which is horrible.
1: Uh, you know, BMW did that with the five series, the M5. They actually ran the sound through the speaker system, and Ford actually did it with the Ford SVT. Focus. so the Hot Rod Focus, which was a pretty performance-oriented car, but they actually took a sound tube and put it inside the car. So every time you accelerated, you heard the sound of the engine coming inside the car. They did it because the tailpipe standards in Europe have to be, the cars have to be really quiet. Mm -hmm. And that's why when the Dodge Viper came out, it sounded like a UPS truck when it went by. Because the way the... The way the tailpipes came out by the doors, that's where the the equipment measured the sound, and it was too loud all the time. So they had to quiet and quiet and quiet, and it just didn't sound
2: good. So, can I give my two cents on the stick shift thing? Sure. So, I like when you were saying going around the windy turns. Yeah, yeah that, it's great there. But I was I was a stick shift person all the way up until my early my late twenties, early thirties, mm-hmm. and then went and went. Libby had to learn how to drive a car because she didn't learn until she was in her until after Tyler was born. So she was in her late twenties, early Mm -hmm. thirties, and she just could not get the stick shift. And I was driving from Boston from Brockton to Boston every day in the traffic. Yeah. No, I am all about the automatics now. Give me, give me the semi. Give me the the. I'll take the paddle shifts too. Mm. Those I've driven cars with that, and I think I get pretty good. It's not the same. It is not the it's same. Not but the it's not the same. But it's it's better than
1: Yeah, I, I find I find when I have a, a true dual clutch transmission with paddle shifts, I still just leave it and drive. Rarely do I ever decide I'm gonna drive hard and fast enough that I wanna downshift. But with the standard transmission, you just kinda do and I I'm I agree with you 100%. The day that I was road testing a Mazda Miata, which I really really like, even though it's tiny. Um I can't fit in those things yeah, now, I know. at all well, anymore. With the like, top, with the top down.
2: With the top down. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, my legs still can't yeah. fit in them now. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> but the uh, the Mazda Miata, I was going in and out of traffic in Boston for a week and it was painful. Because you'd be in first gear, second gear, second gear, first gear, back and forth, back and forth. And it was, it was just painful. So um, um, I don't we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I don't um, know. Ford has plans, uh, like we said, for an electric car, but that's not the only thing. Apparently at the SEMA show this year, they had a 900-horsepower electric version of the Mustang, an actual Mustang, built by a sunroof supplier, Webasco. The automaker said it will use the Mustang lithium prototype for testing batteries and thermal management technologies later in the week. A spy photographer found what he believed to be a thinly disguised uh, Mach-E, which he he actually actually did. So so they dragged all all of that out. And, you know, kind of interesting. So we'll have to wait and see. Why don't we take another break? I think we can do that. And maybe, maybe we might even do trivia. Oh, I just told someone we weren't doing trivia. Maybe we will. Oh, okay. Maybe we will. Or we'll see. Yeah, My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950, WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program. I don't know who I don't know who's coming in at night putting in the music. I don't know because I don't th- I don't remember hearing that one before. Oh, we've had that oh one we before, have that one yeah. before, you. Yeah. yeah, I I missed yeah, I missed Jeff. One. I think Jeff was the guy who put that. He probably did. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, I don't even know how to do it anymore. That's sad. <laughs> so so sad. So sad.
1: 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to John in Norwood. John, good morning and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, John. We talked a couple weeks back.
0: Um, I put a new belt on my 99 Maxima. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit of a chirp just at startup. Yep. The last weekend, I... Um, Tighten it up, Mm -hmm. a quarter turn on the adjustment. Mm -hmm. Um, It was fine until a couple days ago, and now I get that chirp back again. Um, You described a procedure when I talked to you last where you spray water on it.
1: Yeah, just. What does that do? Well, it's just going to tell you whether, in fact, the belt is just slipping and sliding around a little bit. Because, how many. Do you have two belts on that? One big serpentine belt and one for the AC?
0: Yeah, I I remember. The uh, yeah. outer one, which yeah. I think is yeah.
1: So eight. I yeah. So I mean, at least that way you can, if you spray water on one belt and there, there's no noise, and you spray water on the other belt and it starts to make noise, at least you really know which belt it is. That's just a, you know, part of the confusion. The other thing is, and I was talking to a guy just the other day who had a problem with uh, belt noise on a on a Ford. And I said to him, put a straight edge on all the pulleys and see if the pulleys are all lined up straight. And he said to me, you know, sure enough, one of the pulleys was off about three-eighths of an inch. And he said, when you looked at it, you didn't really notice it. But when you put a straight edge on it from the bottom pulley to the uh, offending pulley, which happened to be the alternator, he said it was actually off about three-eighths of an inch. And he didn't want to change the alternator because it was in good shape. So he actually kind of modified the bracket so he could get the alternator and move over a little bit. So.
0: so if I only replace the, um, the outer belt um, and the other belt is the original belt that would not likely to be chirping now right It would be
1: the one I replace. Well I mean you, you would hope that the one you replaced is quiet as a mouse but uh, but you know is it you know are you? You know, are you being fooled? Is it is it the other belt that's is it the other belt that's actually making all the noise? So, uh, like I said, by spraying a little water on one of the pulleys, one of the belts, and then you could you could look and you could go, oh, that's the one that's. Uh, if all of a sudden it starts to make a either you know a, a whistling noise, a whirring noise, some kind of noise, you can say, "Oh well, yeah, it's definitely the new belt I just put in," or it's not the new belt at all; it's the old one because when I sprayed that one, all of a sudden it started making a whole heck of a lot of noise. So, so,
0: so putting the water on it does what it, it, it just,
1: forces. It, yeah, the water acts as a little bit of a lubricant, it makes it slip a little bit. That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all. And. And then, it just, and then it just evaporates. On, um, then it just evaporates, so you don't have you don't have to worry about any problems happening. So,
0: right. And when I hear this chirp on startup, is it is it putting a spot on the belt or any other damage to
1: the belt? No, it's what's happening is for whatever reason, um, it's just causing the belt to slip a little bit, and over a long period of time, it could cause the belt to glaze and wear and shorten the belt life. A little bit, not. Is it going to shorten a lot, probably not, but it's going to shorten it a little bit. My my concern is if everything's working the way it should. If the pen, if the tensioner's okay and the you know alternator's okay and you know is there something that's causing a drag? Is there something that's not turning smoothly? Is it the is it the you know is the the AC or, or whatever whatever this belt runs? Is the is the um, is it is it a matter of one component an idler pulley or some other some other part that is dragging that is uh that's that's acting up so i would you know i you know when you had the belt off you know looking at all of the you know looking at all the components is is it the belt tensioner just isn't doing its job anymore you know there's there's a there's a lot of little there's a lot of little things that uh, that can uh that can cause that can cause a problem so if if you know sort of it like I said, if you sprayed a little bit of uh, um, you know water, or even just added a little bit of soap to the water, so you know you know mostly mostly water, and then uh, you know sprayed sprayed it on sprayed it on the uh, belt, and the noise kind of either got louder or quieter. Well, then you could then you could look and see if you know see if there's you know what's what's causing the problem. And like I said, it it that has an auto tensioner on it, and the uh, and that auto tensioner, you know, maybe it's maybe it's got a little bit of extra wear in it. Um, you know, is it the um, is this a four-cylinder or a six-cylinder? It's a six. It's a it's six. Transverse. okay. Yeah. Okay. Because some of them actually had uh, some of them the alternators actually had kind of a one-way clutch on them, and and those those could actually be kind of weird. And they could they could make up some noise, but I guess I'd want to see where the noise is actually coming from. Is it coming from the new belt you just put on, or is it coming from an old belt? And if it's coming from if it's coming from one of the old belts, okay, we'll, we'll just take a look and see what it is. If it's if it's um, if it's coming from the new belt, then I would suspect maybe that tensioner isn't working the way it should, or or some something on that. It's you know the worst thing that's going to happen is it makes a little noise when you start it and it goes away, and then you just kind of. I totally.
0: It's only at startup and only when it's, yeah. you know. How
1: long, how long does this car sit in between you driving it?
0: Mm, overnight, so maybe overnight. from, say, 8.30 at so, night. So until... it doesn't it sit does it
1: for, like, two to three days? Oh, no. Oh, okay. No, okay. Because the other thing I was thinking, whenever you put a load on an alternator, it makes it harder to turn. So if, for some reason, the battery was getting to the point where it was, you know, getting somewhat discharged when the engine starts up it's going to make that alternator work hard and when the alternate when the alternator works hard it's harder to turn and if the belt is not quite right or the tension is not quite right it's going to it's going to you know it's going to make a little bit of noise how long does the noise last fraction lo- of a second oh yeah you know, I I would want to find out. I would want to get to the bottom of it. But for a fraction of a second, I wouldn't worry that much about it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. When I when I replaced it, the the tensioner, I I put a reference mark on yep. it. Does that hold it all, or what? The new belt is it just likely to be?
1: Not, yeah, yeah. It's uh, not really. No, not really. not
0: really. Okay. Okay. All right. So if I spray it and then start it up, and I don't get a a A
1: chirp that tells me what. Yeah. If you, if you, what I would do with it, I would, with the engine running, with the engine running, running, yeah, spray a little, you know, 95% water, 5% dish soap, um, mix it in a little spray bottle, spray a little on the belt. If the noise all of a sudden, spray the belt, and if all of a sudden the noise changes up or down, um, you know, you know, you know, you have the offending belt. If it doesn't change, yeah. it's, you're, you're chasing after the wrong belt. It's the other belt. Yeah. Okay? All right. All right. Good That's enough. Right. Thanks, All right. Sure thing. Why don't we go to Rick real quick, and then I think we need to take another commercial break. Rick? Yep, it's me. It's you. Yep.
8: And I, I, I still like driving sticks when I have 70s in my rear view
1: mirror. <laughs> I, I, I understand what you mean.
8: Um, Now, uh, you're talking about electric cars, and you're talking about charging them. I know with some batteries that if you you'll fast charge them or overcharge them, you wear down their life. What about the batteries in cars?
1: Uh, That's why you cannot charge more than 80% in a fast charge. That's why all the fast chargers are designed in such a way that they don't bring it up to 100% because they know that when you try to cram a hundred percent charge in 25 30 45 minutes whatever the case is you're gonna you're gonna potentially damage the battery the other thing is all of these batteries have to have EPA certification life just like a catalytic converter does so they all have a minimum of eight years battery life so um, so it, you're well, right. real or yeah. that just
3: this is just paperwork
1: <laughs> no no it's no they they uh, they probably last considerably longer than that but they have to have a minimum to meet the emissions requirements, so that's part of it. The other thing is that um, you know when it comes when it comes to just like if you have a cordless drill at home and you use it till the battery goes dead every single time, you know the battery the battery doesn't last that long. Um, if if in these new lithium ion batteries uh, and the batteries that are versions of that in electric cars. Um, they don't like to be completely cycled like old nickel cadmium batteries would have memories. So if you, they yeah. would always tell you, never, you know, never just use it for five minutes and charge it up. Use it for, because then all of a sudden it only works for five minutes. These batteries don't work like that. Um, and the same thing, uh, you know, even, even with the cell phone now, they tell you that, you know, you, you don't need to charge it up a 100% of the time, all the time. You know, when it's charged up, unplug it uh, because it can... It can affect the battery life, but the battery life so far that I've seen everything in cars like Teslas and Nissan Leafs and and you know some of these more popular electric cars, um, the battery life has been outstandingly good. And even the the big battery that's in a Prius, those batteries will last lasting a really long time. So okay, good, yeah, yeah. Well, so let
8: me add, let me say one thing else and that uh, today uh Tuesday a take, friend take, of mine... your, take
1: your stuffing out of the turkey before you let it sit? No, nope. oh, okay.
8: No. Okay, a Tuesday. Tuesday a friend of mine was driving and he was slowing down for an intersection and his motorcyclist was, was um turning uh, mm-hmm. onto the road that he was on mm-hmm. and lost it lost traction and went out. And I guy you know, was driving a dual sport bike was knobbies Ooh. on the road in the rain?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I I rode a sport bike, uh, 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 off road bike like that in the rain once. I said I would never ever do it again. Yeah, you yeah. don't have
8: any yeah. any type of traction no. in that. And no. that so you know you got to have the proper equipment. It was winter coming on. You know, um, you know, studded snow tires are good on the snow on the ice, but they're not good in the rain. That's so right. You, you know, use right use your right equipment.
1: I can't disagree with you. Hey, Rick, thanks for calling in. Yeah, bye. Bye Bye. Bye-bye. We need to take another break. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. Coming up next, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade. Stay tuned.
6: On the Indiana Road for a sky from Jaguar a Thunderbird fool Jaguar setting on nine to nine, trying to beat the bird to the county line. Just a half a mile from Loodenville, had a speed sign setting at the top of the hill. Said thirty-five miles and stay in line, but the Jaguar Thunderbird
1: never And welcome back to the Car Doctor road. program. Here's a here's a headline that just got my attention. Treat the used car lot like the proto style. What? Sure. To focus on the Touch need. It. To Squeeze turn used vehicle inventory quickly. <laughs> Smelling. Um, <laughs> Eric Gale likes to think about those cars as if they were fresh fruit. When the oranges come off the truck on day one, they're juicy and they're ripe and ready to go. The CEO of Cardinal Automotive Group told Automotive News every day or week that goes by, they get to sit and they dry out and run out of juice. Cardinale, a leading uh, new vehicle franchise dealership group, has uh, long valued used vehicle sales, but a pivot in the group's technology strategy in 2010 allowed the uh, retailer to maintain one of the highest used-to-new vehicle ratios in the country. Armed with proprietary online marketing platform and in-house processes, Cardinal of Marina, California, pays uh, attention to precise time and price point to sell a used car. To keep its offerings consistently ripe, Cardinal aims to keep uh, days to turn to less than 45. If a vehicle sits for 60 days, it goes out. Cut it, auction it, sell it or wholesale, get it out of here. Uh, time to free up the money and go put it into something to perform better. So if you were a smart shopper and you were looking like at true car or one of those types of things and you said, Oh, that car has been on Cardinal's lot for 59 days. You know that the next day it's going to go to the auction. You could probably make a pretty good deal. You would know that you were selling, you were getting the car close to wholesale if you negotiate a little bit.
2: If they do it, it's harder and yeah. harder
1: to negotiate with car dealers yeah, these I know. days. To keep things moving, Cardinal keeps a strict clock on reconditioning, no more than 72 hours from when the used car arrives at one of the dealerships and gets prepped, photographed, and listed online. Any exception to the time frame needs to be written up by the parts and service director and then signed off by the general manager. Some of the group's highest-performing locations have as many as 25 service technicians devoted only to reconditioning. Jeez. That's a lot of people washing and waxing cars. The average new... Uh, Used a new ratio on Automotive News' top 100 list was 0.82 to 1. So with only 22 dealership groups uh, at or above 1 to 1 last year, 18 groups on the list reached those ratios on an average of 0.75 to 1 for all 100. Unloading the inventory at the right time means finding customers to purchase at the right time, and that takes technology. In 2010, the company started Cardinal Connect to discern how, price, how to price its vehicles, You know, this is where I get confused. They're using technology to figure out how to price the vehicle. If you buy an orange for a dollar, you need to sell it for a dollar fifty to make a profit. But apparently, they buy an orange for a dollar and use the internet to tell them how much to sell it for, which might be ninety cents. Which means they lose ten cents on that orange. I don't. I guess I don't. I guess when you're looking at volume. You make up for the losses that way, um, so that's how that's how they did it. Um, which Gail, let's see, they use zero moment of truth, which uh, Gail defines as a point in a car shopper's journey where they know what the vehicle, what the vehicle they want, and why they want it. Um, that is in place where we market. Uh, We watch the people who are looking at it through their Zero Moment of Truth analytics. Cardinal measures how many vehicles of a particular model or make are in the market. Estimate acquisition prices. Zero Market of Truth monitors shopper behavior for Cardinal gathering data on prospective customers um, from uh, other websites as well. When the customer lands on one of Cardinal's vehicle detail pages, they can read your actions so they know what you're doing when you're looking at it. Uh, Zero Market of Truth also works with dealers outside of the Cardinal Group and provides services such as pay-per-click advertising that uh, matches the vehicles and shoppers. So all the technology, I guess the idea of buying it for a dollar and selling it for two and making a profit is just goes away based on stuff. I don't know. Smarter people than me have figured it out.
2: John lied. There's no trivia.
1: I did. I lied. There's no trivia. Next week. Thanksgiving. Maybe. We'll do...
2: Thanksgiving weekend? All right. Sure. We, cuz we always get calls on Thanksgiving weekend.
1: We do. We do. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Or we can or or I can find a copy of the book Manifold Destiny where the guy cooked the whole Thanksgiving dinner under the engine of his car. Well, they did that under on
2: the... they do that on Mythbusters too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It... You get you got to wrap the asparagus in tin foil and put it next to this and you got to put the turkey wrapped next to the intake manifold and but then you have to drive like for four days.
4: He wrote a book about that.
1: Yeah, well, I, well, I didn't. But no, somebody, but somebody wrote a book somebody, about. it. Yeah, just, it's called Manifold Destiny. So, sounds
4: like not a lot to, not a lot of subject matter.
1: Um, hey, I made my dinner in my
4: car. Good, thank yeah. you. Good but night. you had,
1: but you had to put certain things, certain places, because he. Otherwise, he doesn't measured, cook right. <laughs> he measured out the heat of the engine right, okay. and figured out where to put the asparagus and the. In the in the
2: squash. Okay.
4: All right. I'm I'm good with that. I, you know, I I always um, thought that the used car lot was like the produce aisles where I find all my lemons.
1: Damn thanks, straight.
4: <laughs> boom boom boom.
1: Right? Do you have that's do you that. have a I heard this question come up earlier today. Do you have a particular side that you like to have with your Thanksgiving dinner?
4: Yeah. Pie? Um, <laughs> that's not a side, that's dessert. And no, I that's a have that's that. a side. I, no. Um no, I you know what I like? Um Claire makes these she doesn't make them she opens a bottle and puts some heat on them but those little uh little onion little balls onions you, you the, know yeah. i love onions. those yeah yeah those are my favorite
2: yeah. stuffing stuffing I, stuffing, I, I, stuffing I need I need,
1: a, I need an opinion piece here um cranberry sauce in the can with I don't the metal ridges sauce at all.
4: No, no i, I like, like the one that has the, like the orange pieces in them. you like you, get,
1: you, oh, get, you like the uh, sticks, and, the sticks wow. and twigs in it yeah yeah no. see i i'm Give me, give me New England cranberry sauce. The Do you know you what's know, in that stuff. I don't, that it's, you know right? that it's, I don't care. You know what holds <laughs> it together. I don't care. It's jelly. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What
4: kind of jelly? I,
1: I like, I like to see the ridges from the can. <laughs> I, that's my favorite cranberry sauce. Have, having
4: said what I said, that's what we have all of. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and put that on the turkey sandwich later in the yeah. day. Yeah. Perfect.
4: You it's, slice it up with a knife. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's
1: yeah. None if, of that. If, if um, I could have
2: a plate of. Just a whole entire turkey breast to myself and stuffing. I'd
1: be all set for Thanksgiving. Set. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like.
2: Uh, there's a lot of stuff I like on Thanksgiving, but those two. If you just yeah. gave me those two, I'd be a yeah. Very happy I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm happy with turkey. Well,
2: uh, what dessert. about the
4: age-old question: white
2: meat versus dark meat? Uh, it depends on how the person cooks the turkey. If right. Okay. My uncle makes my uncle makes this great juicy turkey, yeah. and I'm
1: all about the white meat on that.
4: Yeah.
2: If it's more on the dry side, give me the dark meat.
4: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. I kind yeah, of agree. I, I did owe that, too. Yeah. All right. Hey, so what's coming up for the Irish Hit Parade? We discussed turkeys, cranberry sauce.
4: Well, I'm chomping at the bit because I, I have a self-imposed um, practice where I don't play any Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. I know. So I've restrained the uh, the notion to do that, which was kind of strong on the way in. So no Christmas songs till next week, guys. And then? Unless I change my mind.
1: And then <laughs> all, the, all the Christmas magic happens since. Amen. There we go.
4: Merry hey, Christmas.
1: I'm going to go with Happy Thanksgiving. but uh, And we will be back here on uh, on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Dennis hey, guys, I,
4: call in next week, will you please? Make Dennis wrong. Thank you. Bye.
1: <laughs> so the very best in Irish music coming up with Paul Sullivan in the Irish Hit Parade. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and don't drive with your turkey on your lap. Bad things can happen. See you next week. Bye-bye.
4: These are the songs you love so
3: well. I know that. Be-